matter where you are. You are being watched. In today's world, no one is off the grid. Existing in the modern world has been forever changed. What's out there? What's out there? Most people don't want to know, but you are about to get clued in. This is Patriot Games. Patriot Games. We'll explore different intelligence, techniques, spycraft, and the latest cutting-edge technology that will blow your mind. We'll introduce you to pros who've spent careers in the intel community with incredible stories. We'll expose it all. Welcome to Patriot Games. And now your host, Greg Phillips. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, it's been a, a little bit of time off for Christmas, uh, but we're back and excited to uh, have a an interview today with um, a friend, someone that we've uh, come to know and, and just have enormous respect for, for the way he conducted himself. One of the, the J6 prisoners. Um, um, I'm going to let him tell his own story, but um, Trennis Evans, we're so happy to have you on Patriot Games and welcome to the show. And thanks, Greg. You know, watching you and Catherine's been an inspiration and then watching what happened to you guys being jailed there. I just, you know, I was immediately on the phone with your people um, as soon as I saw that same day saying, what can we do? And it, it was, uh, it, I, I tell you, it brings a, a lot of emotion to me to know when someone else is going through this, just like every single J6er I've talked to, Greg, it's uh, to know, you know, you and I just talked pre-show about, you know, the things you go through. Um, what happens to you as an individual when you've done nothing of any violent nature? I mean, it's not like we weren't over knocking over banks. You're not out stealing cars or boosting stereos or doing things that one would normally think is illegal. This is, you know, as you've labeled it thuggery, I think, uh, uh, you know, so many people have made so many labels to it, Greg. But I get I get frustrated every time I see it. It, it emotionally is concerning to me. It is physically challenging, I mean, are the feelings that I get um, knowing what another American's going through, just witnessing it, just hearing about it, because I've been there, you know, and I was there short term. I wasn't there long term like the guys that have been there, you know, some of them 714 days now. I know. Um, this is, it's disturbing. It's really yeah, it really disturbing. is disturbing. I, I was uh, in a briefing this morning with some uh, folks that were connected to the intelligence community. We were talking about another matter and, and, uh, one of them at the end of the thing who knew sort of of my situation, <clears throat> he was walking out with me and he said, listen, he said, I can't promise you that whatever comes out of this meeting isn't going to result in somebody getting, you know, mad and, and, you know, maybe somebody getting hurt or there been, you know, something going on. And it, it occurred to me that, that, you know, how, how have we gotten here in this time where, where, where people of, um, th th these were not thugs, right? I mean, these were, these were people that, you know, have, have direct affiliations in the intelligence community. Um, they're, you know, really, there's true professionals. Um, they do their work and they do it well. And to think that, that somehow there would be this sort of tacit warning that, uh, you know, something might happen. This is a really big deal. It struck me yet again, you know, where, where we have, to, to where we have fallen 
in now almost 2023 that you know that that you might get arrested for doing what you did that I'm we might get arrested for doing you know what they said we did which was nothing in a civil case um but yet you still have like you say you still have these guys you know 700 plus days and they're sitting there I can tell you eight days eight days in that uh, medium security prison was um well, first of all, it's the only eight days I ever want to spend in prison. Um, but it, it, it's hard to understand the soul sucking nature of being in ADSEG, um, you know, in a in an eight by 10 cell uh, concrete cell with a, a concrete platform to sleep on and a shower that doesn't work and a sink that doesn't work and a toilet that doesn't flush. Um, yeah. And. And, you know, people need to understand that, that this stuff's real and it, it does leave a lasting effect. And the thought that some of these people have been in these jails and in these prisons for all this time for nothing. And how, I don't know, it just, I keep asking myself, how did we get here? So tell every i mean we have we have a, just a broad swath of listeners you can imagine the folks that that do pay attention to us but we have some just some you know amazing people that listen to the program and support the program and i know they're going to want to support you and so let's just get into it and if you could kind of take it from from you know wherever you want but for sure out, you know pick up the part outside with the bullhorn <coughs> saying what you said um yeah. and um and then kind of take it through kind of what happened to you into the ultimate resolution. Uh, everybody should know when I first met, met you, you were going in San Antonio, you were leaving from that event, I think, or close to it, uh, yeah. to go up to find out what those final resolutions uh, would actually be. So anyway, I don't want to steal any of your thunder and the people need to hear from you. Look, folks, the, the, this guy is the real deal and what happened to him and what happened to hundreds of others. Um, should never, ever happen in America, but it did, and it does, and it can, and it will happen again going forward. We all best keep our heads on a swivel, keep our eyes wide open. Um, but, you know, trust in God, trust in, in your own, you know, capabilities, intuition. Uh, but nothing you're going to hear from me and nothing you're going to hear from Trennis is saying, don't, don't you fight anymore. We're telling you to stand up. We're telling you that it's okay. You're going to survive. So uh, with that, let's just jump in and and uh, and uh, let everybody hear the story. Yeah. Well, Greg, you know, January 6th, uh, you know, it's, it's, as they say, in the can for me. It's been well beyond in the, in the hindsight, the rearview mirror, but because of what I do now with Condemned USA for other people. So my own experience is really not where I put my focus, but you ask and I'll tell you, and I think it's important. Maybe your viewers haven't heard these stories and they don't know the intimate relationship that we have with that event. Those of us that were there, those of us that chose to enter the Capitol, those that did so. And a lot of them, you know, they do the old clutch of pearls and faint astonishment. What were you doing there? What were you thinking? Well, I'll tell you what I was doing there, what I was thinking. I was thinking that generations in the past have failed for us to arrive at a place like we are now. Generations in the past have failed for um, us to be in a situation where our elections are uh, done like they are. I didn't go to January 6th because President Trump told me to come. I went to January 6th because they stole the 2020 election. 
I, like many Americans, listened to so many people, and but I didn't make my decisions based off of those individuals and what they said. I will tell you what resonated more with me than anything. Listening to my fellow Americans that under the penalty of perjury, for absolutely no reason other than to tell the truth, were willing to sign an affidavit that it would cost them five years of their life in a prison cell, potentially, for lying to the American public or lying in court or lying on a sworn document, then stating their name and putting it there and signing that and saying that they witnessed something that shouldn't have happened in our elections. And then watching our legislators and watching our courts fail time and again to resolve these matters. And it became time for the people to stand up, not to go and, as they say, overthrow democracy or to try and stop something. I was there generating support for what I believed was going to be legislators, congressmen and uh, senators alike that had said they would stand for these matters. I came in support of that mission, of course. And I say, you know, demonstrations like a football game or anything else that you might watch. You're wrong for one side. I'm cheering on and championing one set of ideology while the other side, I'm probably not. I'm not behind them. They scored. It's like, ah, oh, grown, right? So that was what I was there for. And that's what we were all there for. And it, it's annoying to me that that's um, a weak word, I guess, really, for the situation. But to hear the Democrats and the legislators now and the Congress and the select committee and the media say that we came to overthrow the government, that I came there to overthrow, quote unquote, democracy, as they say it, is disgusting and disturbing because the reality is, is we're the most armed populace on the face of the planet. As the most armed populace on the face of the planet, does it make any sense that we came there with megaphones and sandwiches and bottles of water? If I came to overthrow a government, let's be real. I think I'm of reasonable intelligence. I think it's going to take more than a megaphone, bottled waters, beef jerky, and sandwiches. I really do. So the reality is, is we came there to voice our opinion. That was a First Amendment right of redress. And we were attacked by the police. I granted, I understand that some of those things that happened, some people acted outside their character and did some things that either people don't respect and can't grasp. But I also ask the question, if your elections are gone, you don't have a way to change matters through election and they're so stolen and the country is so gone in the sense, in that sense, what resolution are you left with? I'm not suggesting violence. I'm just asking a question. You know, I think it's interesting that people say, well, we're going to have to do this. What are we going to do? We're going to vote harder, just like we did in Arizona. You know, what are you going to do to resolve this? What are you going to get to when the system is rigged? The courts are corrupt. The legislators are bought. How do you fix this? I don't have the answer to that. But I will say that I work on the legal and peaceful solutions, much like you and Catherine do. And I work at it at nauseum. And sometimes I feel like that it's probably a hollow effort. But I am continuing that effort because it's all I have. I have two choices. I work on legal, peaceful means or arm myself and go do something about it. Now, that's the kind of statement that people would love, you know, the left would love to hear you say. So sure. I have my choice is to work in the courts and work in the legal, peaceful means like yourself and Catherine. I hear the rhetoric. I hear the people out there that have other things to say. And I keep saying, well, okay, when you let us know when you're going to assemble and lead us all to our, march us all to our death. That's not where I'm headed. I think peaceful people can still assemble. I think peaceful people have to embrace the constitutional rights that we have. By sitting at home and doing nothing, we're failing. By sitting at home and posting on social media, we're failing. By doing, this isn't the nothing. 
you're afraid to donate to the people that will put their head up above the firing line and say something, you're failing. You're failing not only yourself, you're failing your constitution, you're failing everybody that ever laid dying and bleeding on a battlefield throughout or a beach or a sea in our country or in foreign lands for the constitution and what was given. And you're failing the future generations more than anything. I can't outlive it. I've been talking a lot about this exact topic uh, on on social media because there's so many people that just want to quit and they say, oh, we, we lost in Arizona or we you know got stolen again, whatever. And a lot of people that have just recently woken or become awake in all of this um, – you know, tend to think back to 2020 only, right? But I've been in this space for a long, long, long time, 40 years this year. Um, seen a lot, done a lot, seen cheating here, abroad. Um, I know what they do. I know how they do it, um, how we can, how, you know, what we can do. But I think there's something more important that, that people need to understand. And, and it's not easy to swallow because, you know, we're, we're, you know, broadly as a movement, we're a fix it kind of group, right? We want to get out and fix it. We don't quite know what to do. So we yell at each other on, on social media or we yell at everybody else. Like you said, it's wholly ineffective to, to do any of that. Um, but I think it's the plight of the patriot in a representative republic that, that, that we must remain sort of forever vigilant in the elections because it's the place where the mob can take over the, the, the you know, the sim- simple way to describe the difference between the democracy and the Republic is that, that the Republic was designed um, to be a representative Republic, meaning people rep- represent us in the, in the, in the, um, the governing bodies of the Republic, but the democracy is rule is a true democracy is really sort of a mob rule, right? I mean, there's no, you know, if you got 50 plus one, you win and you're going to shout everybody down, steal all their money and, and go kill them. But for 200 years, this country has been cheating each other in elections. This started in, you know, as far as in, you know, people, People argue back into the early 1800s, but certainly by 1824, when Andrew Jackson won the first or lost the first time, um, they stole it from him. They stole the election from him. I mean, you can go back and read the whole story and how they did what they did. Times were different then. The setup was different, but they stole the election from Andrew Jackson. He got so pissed, um, but was smart enough to figure out, well, they stole it from me. So by the time 19 or 1828 rolled around, he stole it from them. And that was like game on, right? And from there it was, you know, Tammany Hall. They had to at one point they had to stop voting in in closed boxes. They made them they but they built these big glass bubbles to put your ballots in. Um, because they knew that people were cheating using these 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 uh, these wooden um, crates as the uh, pu- as the way to put your ballots in. So this has been going on forever. Uh, by the time I got into it, I mean there was all manner of cheating going on. Uh, John F. Kennedy won by cheating, uh, or at least the mob helped him cheat in Chicago. Uh, Johnson's people helped him cheat in Texas, and voila, you've got a you know you've got a, a change in in everything. By the time we roll around into uh, um, when I got into it, uh, in places like Bullock County, Alabama, there, let me just tell you about Bullock County, Alabama. 
There is not much in Bullock County, Alabama. My daughter-in-law happens to be from Bullock County, Alabama, which is a, an interesting coincidence. But in 1982, there was 147% of the voting age population, not just registered to vote, but voting. Um, and and it was completely insane. And then by the time, uh, let's see, then uh, Judge Perry. I've heard Perry, stories like this recently, Craig. It's, 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 completely, it's completely insane. But my point is really that. That by the time, you know, 2020 rolled around, 2016 rolled around and, you know, the Clinton people said that Trump cheated and then they cheated and everybody cheated in 2018. Everybody was cheating again. And and it has hit a a crescendo, I think, of cheating. But again, I think it's the plight of the 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 patriot in a republic that they have to remain ever vigilant. Each of these elections would be considered more of a battle than the war. The war is keeping the republic alive. And these battles that we fight, yeah, we lose lately. You know, we've been losing more than we've won. But, you know, I can cite you dozens of times that we've won, you know, and didn't lose. Um, what I'm fearful of, though, is that is that that because of this awakening, because you know, people feel, you know, it happened in 2020 and then it happened again in 2022 that it's over. Well, that's a two year cycle, you know, in a in a 200 year war. And right. and we just have to keep fighting this and that, you know, we're going to find ways to to stop them. They're going to come back with other ways to cheat. And it's just going to be back and forth and back and forth. We gain a lot every single time we get into one of these court hearings the other day at Kerry's hearing. Um the DNC expert, I don't know if any of you know this, but Catherine and I are still being sued for voter suppression in Georgia in 2020. So we're still in this federal lawsuit about suppression in 2020. Actually, it was in the runoff. Uh, we we, ch we helped challenge 364,000 voters or something who were not, not legally registered to vote. They didn't live there anymore, was, was the bottom line. And we're still under... Under suit or under the this lawsuit, Mark Elias and Stacey Abrams and their PAC sued us. But what they sued us for was was suppression, saying that we had done all these things to you know keep people from being able to vote and whatnot. In Kerry's case, the DNC expert that they brought in said said words something to this effect: the chaos on election day that occurred, and the long lines on election day are not indicative of voter suppression. And I mean, for those of us that have been, you know, in this space for this long and we're hearing these like, what, wait, wait, what did he say? And I'm looking, I'm trying to pull the, pull the YouTube and, you know, and get all this stuff. That's the exact opposite argument that the Democrat national committee and, and Mark Elias and everybody else have been arguing for all this time that you have to do early voting for, you know, now it's like a, it's like six weeks in, in Minnesota, you know, and, and, and a month in Arizona, you have to do all this early voting because you can't have uh, chaos on election day. You can't have long lines on election day because it's suppression. And so as, as we, I mean, now if you take a half a step back and think, all right, so we're worried about, you know, having these elections stolen. And if you do consider that each of these is an individual battle, and so we got to continue, we got to know better and do better going forward. Now we know that they don't think that. 
And so next time we go to court over one of these suppression issues, like maybe getting rid of the drop boxes, maybe everybody votes on election day. Maybe we do things that, be great. you know, I mean, and, and now we have the Democrats screwing up and on under oath, they're experts saying, nah, that's not really suppression. Thanks, bro. Good, yeah, good job. Case, right? Look, I, I love Carrie. Would I rather she she won? Yep. Do I hope she wins her appeal? Yep. Are we still involved in another piece of another case up there? Yep. And we're going to continue that fight. But let's take victories where we can get them. Now we now as we moved into into twenty twenty four, and we have things like that in our belt, and things we've learned about how they um, basically misused uh, artificial intelligence for signature review. Um, and for those of us in that business, I mean, there's, they've got some real problems they're going to have to deal with with people like us going forward. So there are some victories going forward. They're not what everybody wants them to be, but, but, but it's people like you that sort of stood up in the way that you did it, that we're doing it the right way. Say, Hey, something's wrong here. Y'all need to do something. Something's wrong. And, and you did it the right way and you did it in the patriotic way. I think the biggest problem that, that most Americans that I know have with what happened to you and what happened to, to all of the people that were, you know, that were, um, that got in trouble after J6 was the juxtaposition between what we all saw unfold during 2020 with cities burning and BLM squares popping up everywhere and, 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 you know, rioting and people getting killed and cops getting hurt and and all of these things. And then all of, and then all of a sudden you guys, and it's like, what, what, what? Don't forget armed men took and held United States sovereign soil, Chaz chop, don't forget that part. I always remind America, don't forget, we all sat and watched that. They were allowed to hold it and call it a country of their own and say the Constitution and the laws no longer applied to them. And only now have any of these people, now that the DOJ is being used as such a disparity, even addressed any of these things years later. They didn't have any interest in it for three years. You know, the same scenario could be said of January 6th. Why don't you build your cases? Why don't you go in and do a deep dive? But we know that wasn't what it was about. It was never about that. It was exactly what they said it was about. This was about shock and awe. And if you notice that the probation terms for most of the people in the Capitol, you're seeing three years. Why three years? They want to shut you up for 24. Because they know what they're about to do in 24. 100%. Yeah, it's going to be a bigger dog and pony show. And we are the most vocal people. We're the ones that would stand up. We're the ones that would show up. We're the ones that would go somewhere. We're the ones leading what they would call a charge. Yeah, you're damn right I was leading a charge. You're damn right I was going into my capital. You're damn right I was going to de- demonstrate demonstrate peacefully. It's on a video evidence. The DOJ admits that my evidence was peaceful demonstration, yet I'm charged with a felony and four misdemeanors going into this thing, facing 23 years in prison all designed to scare you, to have jackbooted thuggery, like you said, and have this kind of weight over you to serve as an example to shut up, sit down, nobody say anything, come inauguration time. Because they knew that the American patriot, that the people had had their belly full of this nonsense that we watched happen in our courts. The case dismissed, dismissed, dismissed. It's so annoying to me that everybody gets, oh, well, Trump lost 61 cases. That's not what happened. 
60 cases were refused based on numerous uh, variable issues, as you well know, standing mostly, uh, lack of evidence. You didn't do it before the amount of time. You didn't do it. You did it too late. You did it too soon. Or you didn't know the exact number of gumballs in the jar, so you don't have a case. You know, if you can't say it was 16,781 cases of voter fraud, then your case is no good, even if you were if we were to find there were 16,780 and you only needed 11,000 to swing the state. It's still no good because you don't know the exact number. It's absurdity. They've written the laws. They've taken control. We allowed this to happen because we weren't paying attention. Those of us that didn't know. And we, you, you guys have been pulling on the line and managing this thing um, essentially alone for, it seems, for some long period of time. A very small number of people had a hold of the rope in this tug of war with the United States government, the Democrats, and so forth. And the rest of us were out here oblivious to the thing. And I just tell you that, you know, January 6th was proof that you're not alone. You guys are not alone. Those people were behind people like you, people like Catherine, people like General Flynn, people that have had something to say, the people that have stood up, the people that have voiced concerns, Donald Trump, whoever it may be. And I always get something straight for, for your viewers, if I may, Greg. I don't have a shrine to Donald Trump in my home. I'm not a hardcore MAGA person. I'm a person that believes in the make America great again scenario. You bet you I sure do. You believe in America first. You bet you I sure do. Am I compassionate? Do I want to help other countries? Do I want to help downtrodden people around the globe? You're damn right I do. But I want to help my American veteran first. I want to secure my borders first. I want to take care of this country's needs first and American citizens first. And then, you know, it's like a sinking vessel or like when they tell you on an airplane, put the mask on yourself first not the one we have to wear for COVID, the one for the oxygen. They say, first, put it on yourself, then help your child. Yeah, we're compassionate. Of course, we help our children. But you got to be alive to do it. You got to be around. You have to have something sustainable. And right now, at the pace we're at, our country's not sustainable. But if I can segue back to what you asked me, I, I'm dying to get something here off my chest, Greg. I was in the United States Capitol, and the charging documents read very specifically. I urge anyone to go read my case. That I led, I entered the building and led the national anthem. I entered the building and led the Pledge of Allegiance. These videos are publicly available on my site over at Condemned USA. They're available on my Twitter and Getter and everywhere else. I've finally come back to Twitter now that some of these changes have been made. But um, we have been asking for and calling for someone to look at this objectively. You know, and the American people are starting to wake up. I'm going to tell you, the first time I ever spoke about January 6th was. Uh, June of 21, I went to a Republican Party event and I sat and I got up there and the looks were, I mean, the people were not happy. They, I was an insurrectionist. I had embarrassed the country, all of these things. I'm sorry. I think you, those of you that didn't go embarrassed the country. How about that? That's my thought process. I've heard people say that, oh, uh, the America laughed at us or the world laughed at America for what happened. No, the world laughed at America for what happened with these uh with our elections. That's what the world was laughing at. 63% of Europe, as you well know, doesn't allow mail-in voting. You know, none of South America. I mean, because it's all wrought with fraud and we know that. So why is it that in the U.S. we think that this mail-in voting tipping the scale or the Democrats been able to put their hand on it like that makes these people some kind of righteous individuals and me the crook and the thief. This country was stolen on November 3rd. As far as I'm concerned, there wasn't a legitimate government to overthrow if that's what I would have been there to do come that time. And furthermore, 
Donald Trump was still in power. So how am I trying to overthrow something where my president's still in power, the president that I believe was duly elected? Right. We're not trying to overthrow anything. We were demanding answers. We were demanding people re re address our grievances, a right of redress of grievances. I'm on video saying don't harm the police, don't damage the building, don't destroy your own property. Yes, I agree. There's people there that acted outside their character and their conduct, and they need to be held accountable for what they did. I agree with you. But if we're going to have a meaningful justice system, not only do we hold people from both sides of the political aisle or both interests of politics or what have you accountable for their actions like BLM and Antifa, but we also have to have a system of uh, enforcement that holds itself to a level of accountability. If you don't have a system that enforces things, upholding law, upholding the Constitution, and you're no better than that banana republic third world country. The idea that you have SWAT teams going out for people that peacefully demonstrated is absurd. There is almost no case for this, and there's really no case for this in history. The only time we see these things is at events like Waco 1, Waco 2, and I believe that this is the reaction the government was looking for. They were looking for that standoff so they could say, see, look, we told you they were violent insurrectionists, they're militia types, they're groups. You know, this happened to the Oath Keepers. I was, you know, Stuart Rhodes contacted me in August for an attorney. We helped him with the change of counsel scenario. Best we could do is get somebody on board into the case. And James Bright and Linder, you know, I'm not a very big fan of what they did. It certainly didn't serve Stuart's interest. And it wasn't the way he wanted to be represented. And we don't just help groups. We help individuals. You know, I've talked to almost 400 January 6th defendants. There's probably a few people on the planet that can say that. And um, there's, all you know, also... What we've done to represent January 6th defendants and what we're doing now with the change of venue data and how we're working through these scenarios and how we're actually making a difference. Rather, we make the achievement. We're going to put the points on the board. The record has to be made that the record was there. Greg, and you asked me about my case, and uh, I got to share this with you. I told you this before and now that this is part of the record. When I captured a federal human trafficking fugitive in the state of Texas here in San Antonio area, and the United States Marshals had selective memory loss because it would have helped my sentencing and told the judge that I was a liar. And then when they got caught lying, that they were the liar, which should have been enough in a Brady scenario that should have certainly helped me because they withheld evidence that was helpful to me and sentencing rather than involve the direct influence of my case or not for January 6th. However, they lied. The federal government lied and withheld information. They waited till and I have these receipts for all this. I'll be happy to send it to you just so you have it. Um, but we, it's on the side. Well, I, want, I, want to come, I want to come back to that because I've got a request for you. So let's keep going. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so um, at this scenario, the day before my final sentencing, I went to sentencing twice, which is very unusual. I went to sentencing the first time. And the judge started making these statements. And look, I respect our courts and the institution for which they stand. I respect what they're supposed to be. I respect the idea of our Constitution. What we have now is not our courts. And you're firsthand experience to that. You know, the absolute ridiculousness of how far we've fallen from a space where we're supposed to be in a justice system at any rate. But that being said, so I went there and the judge started in with the information that was, uh, you know, the normal information they say, oh, the only heroes and patriots were present that day were Capitol Police. And I said, oh, no, you've got that wrong. You're absolutely wrong, Your Honor. And I cut her off and told her she was wrong. And I stand by that statement. So she, after several more statements, and I spoke for about 10 straight minutes and she was questioning me, 
She said, well, I challenged you, basically challenged me and said, well, I want to see this evidence that you have of what you're saying. I'm just want to see how you're justifying these statements. And I think she was thinking that she was going to pin my ears back even harder based sure. on what I was going to yeah, fail. Same thing, to same thing they tried to do to me and Catherine in the case that got us sent to jail. Well, I came back. They made back. fun of us. They mocked us. They, they, they mocked Catherine for saying she was a patriot. I mean, the, yeah. they, oh, yeah. the I mean, it was insane. Well, they tell you that you're a threat to democracy. You know, they love sure. to use that threat to democracy as we're nothing sure. of any sense. We're representative constitutional republic. Yes. Representative democracy. No, we've never been. And God help us if we ever are. Amen. Uh, anyway, but moving on. So I come back in there November 21st. But the day before, the Friday before 805 in the morning, we get an email from the federal government, from the assistant United States attorney. It says, Oh, gee, by the way, it's come to our attention that as of October 28th, 2021, we've had this information in our possession and we need to go and we need to address this. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you freaking kidding me? You called me a liar. You made me out to be a liar to the American public, to the judge. You made me out to be a liar scenario after scenario. And then and only then the day before at 805 in the morning, only you know what this was about? I was out screaming on shows and on internet and saying things, talking about prosecutorial misconduct. Giving me t-shirts. Giving you t-shirts. <laughs> and I was I telling my everyone that would listen about prosecutorial misconduct that was going on in my case. This isn't the only piece of it that happened in my case. They, any other time, law enforcement would say, hey, you helped law enforcement. You did something meaningful. You were a good guy. You supported law enforcement inside the building. Okay. Hey, you were there. We're going to give you a trespass. We're going to move on, but not for this political thuggery. Anyway, moving back to this. So the day before we get this email and my attorney just falls over like he can't believe that they've admitted it. And he goes, the reason they did this, they just tried to bail themselves out of prosecutorial misconduct. Because if the case is adjudicated with prosecutorial misconduct occurring, then you have a suit. If they do this now, they've corrected themselves, corrected and it's going to be very difficult for you to have much teeth in the suit against them. Yeah, and our 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 issue, we, I think we had a filing due yesterday or something. I don't even know in the in the case in Houston that put us in jail. And um, man, I, I went back and while we were preparing for to, you know to make our filing, I had another affidavit I had to submit and some other things. They you know made up some new lies and <laughs> and um, they meaning the the plaintiffs made up some new lies um, and. I went back and read the the um, uh, appeals court order for releasing us, and then and sort of a, a little bit of an admonishment of the court. And uh, man, every time I read it, I'm just like stunned. I mean, the, the all this stuff was just left on the record, and and uh, the appeals court said, "Look, if we have any more problems like this, you bring them to us, you know, directly to this this panel directly." And it's like, ooh, man, you know. But in the back of my brain, I'm thinking. You know, when all this stuff's over, we're going we're to have some things we've got to talk about. And uh, I know you felt the same, right? Well, I sent the judge, you know, you know, people are always, I appreciate you being concerned for me. And I didn't send this to you out of disrespect, but I, they, the prosecution was questioning me talking about Nuremberg trials and people swinging for their crimes sure. and saying that I was threatening the federal government. Sure. I'm not threatening anybody. If you feel threatened by the idea of a trial and you being found guilty of treason and treachery against the United States citizen, then should feel threatened. I make sure to be the first one to. I support the only thing I support is that they get to be hung with new ropes. So, um, so tell everyone. I want this to be clear to everyone. Tell, tell, tell everyone. Tell these. Tell this audience 
what you actually said to the judge about the, about, you know, put, putting you away? Well, I was very clear. I went at it from the Pharaoh do your worst scenario. And uh, I told the federal judge, I said, your honor, it, you can give me 10 years right here today. There's nothing that you say or empowered to do that will change anything I say, think, or do. So if you're, is the idea here is deterrence, you're at a failing cause. There's nothing you can do. How did she react? I, I don't think she liked the statement very much, but here's what I, I rest on. I went into a federal court to tell the truth, so help me God, you know, et cetera, right? I'm not going to lie to a federal judge. I'm not going to lie under oath. I'm not going to lie to the court. I'm not going to lie in that scenario. So as I went through the 50 slides that I prepared for the court and explained to them my position, I read to them Title 18, Section 242. He should ever bring a false claim and punishment and cause injury, harm, or death to an individual uh, guilty of imprisonment, et cetera, et cetera, penalty of lie up to life imprisonment or death. Uh, I explained these things to the court exactly where we stood. People, CBS News lost their mind and said, this is, I've never seen anything like this. I spoke for an hour and 53 minutes and um, I accepted responsibility for the part of what I did for trespassing, knowingly entering remaining in restricted building. By the way, knowingly has nothing to do with the charge other than that you knew you were in a building. It doesn't mean you didn't, you knew you shouldn't have been there. There's no part of that's not the context of it. So be very clear about that. But I knew that I shouldn't have gone in there under the circumstances. I was clear that I was breaking a law. But when I thought I was breaking the law, I was thinking like, well, all the things I've seen people break the law for and going to the Capitol and they're complaining about something or arguing, whether it's Greenpeace or Save the Whales or whatever, you know, whatever the soup du jour is for the Democrats and their leftist ideology where they go in because they have all this time. I always used to remember thinking to myself, don't you people have jobs? Don't you have somewhere to be? You know, And uh, that's another story. Their their, their job is to screw with patriots. That's what their job is. Yeah, well, and I entered thinking, I'm going to, you know, well, okay, I might get a $50 fine or $300 fine, or I get arrested, you spend the night in jail, and you get out the next day, see the magistrate kind of thing. Nobody. We were all, they did. They played shock and awe very well. They shocked and awed us all, not only with how they came after us, but the charges and how they've proceeded with these cases. We've never seen anything like this. It's un- You're right. The federal government says it's unprecedented. Oh, yeah, I agree. It's unprecedented. What you've done. And you know, I believe that there will be accountability one day. This pendulum will swing back you. the other way. I agree with you. Well, we're going to run out of time here. So i got a couple things I want to ask. So, so, so what was the ultimate answer? What happened to you? So I got 20 days in jail. Federal prison, I've got to go turn myself in somewhere at some undetermined time. Um, and I don't, have don't, uh, three. I got some advice for you. Don't eat the hot dogs, dude. I'm telling you. <laughs> Those things are made out of plastic and they're just not, it's not real food. I don't know what the hell it is, but it's not real food. My advice is don't eat the hot dogs. I hear that the options are kind of uh, not exactly plentiful. So be, be sure, listen close. Be sure your commissary is completely full and that you have way to get money into your commissary. That's my advice. So I have that and I have three years probation. I got one of the highest fines for, I never touched any property. The federal government admits I never touched anything. Um, The sad reality is, is they know that I've done fundraising for condemned USA, not for myself. I never, I wasn't fundraising for my own legal fees. It was fundraising to help other people. How much did they find you? Can you, are you allowed to say? 5,000. 
I got a $5,000 fine. So they took 5,000. I paid it out of my pocket. I didn't touch the condemned USA funds for that. God bless you. Just like all of my legal fees, everything stayed in there. We've spent over $140,000 helping other they, people. They, they made us pay. They made us pay $83 a day to be in jail. So when we got out, we couldn't get out until we wrote them a check for 83 bucks a day each. <laughs> Makes the stuff Thankfully up. We didn't have to fundraise for you for that, Greg. It's been right. that you were able to cover the 83. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we they tried to give it. Listen, the other funny part is they tried to give it back to us. Uh, but they called and said they'll give it back to us, but they wanted access to our bank account information. I'm like, no, you, you yeah. keep it, man. Go, yeah, go, buy, some him, hot, go had, buy some hot dogs for some of those dudes that are stuck in. Stuck I had in. to pay them by December 21st or they, I had to provide all my financial records, IRS, tax returns. Wouldn't be able to, I mean, you can't even get a, you couldn't get a new credit card if you I'm wanted. Sorry. No fun. You know, I mean, it's just. They, well, they I got a couple other things we need to talk about. So the first yeah, one yeah. is, so so tell everybody where, where you're from. I mean, how, did, I guess they destroyed your business. They destroyed, I mean, your family. What's, the, what's the situation? Yeah, social terrorism is what I call it now. You know, I've not, I didn't coin the phrase, but I'm damn sure picked it up and I'm running with it. Uh, this is social terrorism, folks. This is just yeah. like, you know, their version of the, you know, uh, social credit in China. They're going to try and destroy you. They're going to run you down. They're mm-hmm. going to break you. They're going to fi- make you a financial hardship. They're going to just like this is just like the lowest loaner Tea Party days with the IRS. Same nonsense. But anyway, um, I'm in Canyon Lake, Texas. Um, I've been here. Uh, we've been here about five years, been in Texas. So for those of you in Rio Linda, that is uh, basically San Antonio. So. Yeah, just north of San Antonio. So I'm sandwiched between liberal San Antonio and liberal Austin. Um, <laughs> one's weird. One's crazy. You know, so. <laughs> Uh, but here we're in a very red district. Thankfully, I will say one of the frustrations, Greg, is you'll find that you know children. My, you know, there's videos there. They have my 13 year old child at gunpoint with automatic weapons on the front porch and his basketball shorts on his way with his backpack on his way out to school. And I mean, he's 13 years old on his way to school, and he's at gunpoint on my front porch. Um, they had my wife at gunpoint in her pajamas on the front porch. Um, I told him that day that was March. Fourth of 2021. And I said to the people there that day, I said, let me tell you something. You've just made the gravest error of your life. You've, you've enacted something you can't undo. And I didn't mean in a threat of I'm going to be harmful to their person. I mean, I'm going to be harmful to this agenda. And I right. intend to bring great harm and damage and destruction to the liberal agenda that means to undermine and subvert the Constitution and do away with American greatness. And that, that would take you take take a take a lady and a child into the street at gunpoint. What in the heck yeah. is happening? This watch is the not, videos. This is not side. okay. Watch, I've seen. Watch them, the man. raid. I'm one of the few people that has the raid on video. So we have the whole thing on video of them, uh, you know, sacking my house. Uh, it's it's disgusting. I mean, we'll, you we'll, we'll grab that. Off. We'll we'll grab that and put that into into the description as well as the website. Yeah. Um, uh, so that everybody, you know, doesn't have to go too far to see it. But uh, listen, uh, how, how can how can the how can uh, the folks that that uh, are so good to support you and help you? Look, I'm condemnedusa.com, and uh, the name is funky for people, but it was designed to make you think because we're condemned if we do nothing without people like yourself and Catherine Craig, um, without people like me, and without people like David, and uh, so many people I work with, and we would be condemned because there's too many people that are not willing to get involved. They want to keep their head down. So I've said this and I I spoke about this at some other events. And one of the things I've said is 
if you don't want to rise up and come across the field, right? And I say this figuratively in the battlefield of the legal arena, getting out there and put your name out there and be up front and have your family tortured socially, et cetera, and yourself. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. Can you just get behind those of us that will? Give me the ladder. I want up out of this trench because I'm coming across the field for these people. And that's the way it is. If I have to run naked through the thorns or whatever it is, I'm coming across the field for these people. I mean to destroy anything in my path that means to undermine a constitutional republic that has been fought and bled for over 250 years for this nation. Amen. I have one request for you. Um, back, uh, back during the summer, we, we started to launch something called open ink, um, open.ink. Uh, we've been working on this actually for years. We've had a lot of false starts. We've been taken down. We've been hit by Chinese bad actors, DDoS. I mean, you name it, we've been hit. By yeah. it. Um, and the original idea was that we were just going to take some of the info that we had from 2000 mules, maybe some open record stuff that we had and really just make it accessible to people, right? Sort of a transparency site. Um, we didn't realize until we were in that court here and the one that actually ended up putting us in jail, um, just how afraid the left is of open ink. They thought that we were about to launch some, they told the judge that, that this whole thing was about open ink in some ways because they told the judge that we were going to take all of these people's names and all of this personally identifying information and release it to the public. And it didn't <laughs> dawn on me till I was in jail that, these people are truly afraid of this website. That's why they're trying to take this thing down. So we went in and we went back through and we reconfigured everything. And basically what we did now is we created our own AI-driven indexed search engine. And so now what we do is we ingest all of these documents and we're, we're approaching, I think, a million documents or something like that so far. It'll be, you know, it'll end up being billions. So all of the things that have been taken down or not available on Google or not available in normal Bing search and that kind of thing. We, we want it to land here. So what I'd like to you're the very first person I've asked this to. Um, but I'd like to invite you to, to any information that you guys have, whether it's transcripts from your hearings, uh, the hear the, the, um, you know, the orders themselves, any kind of documentation that you guys have, um, including video and audio, because we're also going to be ingesting video and audio for search reasons. So somebody could come to open ink and type in, you know, J six and see, and see your video or type in J six Evans and see, you know, the, the detail of your case, uh, because I, I can tell, you I can tell you, they are going to take this stuff down, man. They're going to take it I down. I ask you something about open ink. Sure. If a person Hypothetically, there was somebody out there that wanted to share some documents or information with your, your site. Not that it would be me. Certainly, I wouldn't want to do that. Right. Can that be tracked who loaded the documents? No. That's very interesting. I'll keep it. I'll keep. I'll keep. Uh, in case Julian Assange calls me and wants to share something else, I'll, I'll let you know. Look, we've uh, had we've had we've had some really interesting uh, communication with some people. I mean, you know, we're obviously not going to s- accept, you know, something that's knowingly stolen. And, you know, we're not going to. No, you know, no, no, we're not. You know, we're not going to get into any of that. But um, but, you know, we, we went to jail for anonymity purposes. We yeah. went to jail because we would not divulge a source. We will never divulge these sources. But the people need to understand that all of these cases, you know, you're you're telling me that you spoke for, did you say almost two hours? 
hour and 53 minutes. The second time. <laughs> and yeah. And, and so imagine being able to ingest, allow us to ingest that transcript so that others forever will know what you did, what you went through, what you said, you standing up. And then, you know, these videos and, and all of that. Um, this is a new day. I mean, what we want opening to now be, we didn't intend this in the beginning, but now that game is on. We're going I remember to protect, you talking gonna, about opening at uh, the pit. At the pit, we, we are going to protect, preserve, and make available to everyone the 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 um, evidence of the tyranny and the evidence of the thuggery that these people have put us under. And I don't care whether it's you know about elections or you know the nonsense going on on the border or or you know now they're they've hit 109 substations uh, across the country uh, power yeah. substations um all of that stuff will be here for a while then you might read a report about it but it, the report on the border will be oh these poor migrants look what all they went through they had to pass through the Darien gap in panama and it's super dangerous and there's a lot of mean snakes and spiders and stuff and all these people died yeah but the real story behind the Darien Gap is there are terrorists coming from all over the world, coming into Venezuela, coming into Ecuador, making their way through the Darien Gap, which is the most dangerous place on earth. Well, and the, the NGOs meeting them before they get there to Absolutely. supply them to and, get through. Yeah. And, then, and then helping them walk across the border. That's the story. And yeah. those, but those kind of stories will never be told. But I, I promise you this. As long as as long as as we can figure out a way to fund this, we're going to make Open Inc. the 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 place for all of your speeches, all of our work, all of everyone's work. We're going to lawyers can come in and look at it. We're going to have we're going to have all of those cases, all those cases that were allegedly dismissed. We're going to have all of that. So so send me everything that you have. We'll ingest it. We'll upload it. It'll be searchable. We're putting the beta out tomorrow. Uh, we're going to leave it in beta form for four or 5,000 users until February 1st. Then we're going live with the full site. Um, so it's just going to be, it's just going to be a blast. And I, I tell you, I didn't intend to do this. This was it's not like my intent. on steroids. It is. And, and, wow. and, and again, I didn't mean, we did not set out to do this. And I didn't realize until I was in jail how afraid these people were of transparency and open ink. So anyway, I encourage you and and uh, any any J sixer you talk to, if they want to play a resting place for all of their documentation and all of their archives, open inks it, and I'll make a deal with you, and we'll figure out how to how to work together on it. Hey, you got it. Listen, there's a, two things. There's a guy named David Summerall, stophate.com. You need to talk to him. He okay. probably houses one of the greatest archives of January 6th information. That's great. Um, legally available. And okay. then additionally, um, I think you'd like something like this. I just released on my Getter and on my Twitter and some other platforms uh, a report from the 107th Congress about Alexander Mayorkas and what he did with Hillary Rodden Clinton's brother and getting a pardon for a drug dealer who was really moving keys of cocaine in L.A. throughout the country, out of L.A., from throughout the country, tied to the cartels. And I just released this. I gave it to a few people and they were like, holy crap, where'd you come up with this? I gave it to a congressman. And it was on a closed committee hearing. I was able to dig out. We pulled the whole transcript and I highlighted some pieces of it and shared that just recently. I ran across it by mistake, digging for something else. And uh, Wow. 
So anyway, uh, this I look forward to it. So um, send me everything. We'll get this all loaded up. Thanks so much for for being yeah. and joining with us on Patriot Games. I'll see you next week in Conroe, Texas. There's a great pair. A J6 prayer vigil. Um, and uh, some of the people that are going to be there and that were the organizers were some of the people that were praying for us outside the prison while we were there in Conroe. And I oh. uh, look forward to seeing you. And uh, maybe we'll exchange a little information while we're there. There'll be a tidbit. Maybe the FBI or somebody will show up and try to film us. All right. Maybe we, can, yeah, maybe we can figure out. Let's try and count them and see how many are there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us on Patriot Games Trainers. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Greg. Good to talk to you. Thanks, 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 everybody. We appreciate you all so much, and we look forward to seeing you next week on Patriot Games. Patriot Games. PatriotGames.com. Now, back to your host, Greg Phillips. When we started Patriot Games, we had absolutely no idea how we were going to be able to put this together. And uh, uh, Taylor, our executive producer, and and all of us just uh, kind of jumped in and started putting together equipment and started putting together the the pieces that ultimately became this. Um, I'm so grateful for the the people that have signed up to support us on Patreon um, and. It's, it's really sort of gratifying and humbling a little bit uh, when we first started this and then launched that first episode of the prelude. Um, we didn't even really know what to think. Uh, we just kind of stuck it up there. We stuck a camera up there. I don't even think we had all our lights lit. The You know, we had all manner of stuff going wrong. Um, but uh, for those of you that have chosen to uh, support us through Patreon, I can't thank you enough. Um, we're going to get you some interesting information we're going to give you a list of uh of some of the episodes that are upcoming and let you have an early look at that and uh, we'll continue to provide you with new and interesting information appreciate y'all so much please uh if you're so inclined uh support us on patreon it'll help us uh continue to make this program better for everybody you've been listening to patriot games privacy is a thing of the past No matter where you are, you're being watched. No one is off the grid. The intelligence community has access to technology that most Americans can't even imagine. And this show is here to expose all of it. For more info, to contact, and to stay up to date, visit the website at PatriotGames.com. Until next time, keep your eyes open.